He used to hang out at the Magumbo Bar. It was a rough place, the seediest dive on the wharf, populated with every reject and cutthroat from Bombay to Calcutta. It's worse than Detroit. The cut line, gonna break down the Rocket Mortgage classic. Jez Reeby now has twice as many wins on the PGA Tour as DFS darling Tommy Fleetwood. One more win than Tony Finau and, and is only one win away from tying Gary Woodland in major wins. This is the cut line and we are here to break down the Rocket Mortgage Classic at the Detroit Golf Club. Has the PGA ever been here before? No. But no matter, Cutline is going to give you the goods to get your lineups in the green. But before that, hello Canada, hello Australia, hello USA, and hello UK. And the Cutline continues to grow worldwide. And there's no better way to join our show than to keep up to date with a subscription on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Cutline DMs are always open to our listeners, so anytime you have a question, please, please, please reach out. Of course, do us a favor and leave us your likes, your dislikes, your comments. We greatly appreciate the time that you give us, and we are going to do the best we can. I'm Mike Cavalunas on Twitter, at Lunas. Excited to break down the Rocket Mortgage Classic, grinding away at this thing called DFS and building that bankroll. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Needless to say, I'm excited to be here. But I cannot, will not, never will again do this show alone. On the other side of the mic is my man, Mulligan Manafort, Zero Iron Zach, the 6K Slayer, Mr. Guarantee himself, Zach Manafort. You can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. Zach, how you doing, partner? Oh, man, it is a fantastic night, and I am happy to be here on a new event. I've been waiting for this all season. Uh, I love doing research on places they've never been before. Uh, it's great, you know, knowing the courses and knowing all the history and being able to pull all that data. But trying to find the guys that match somewhere where you just don't know is, is a blast. So I, I can't wait. Uh, it's been a great week, and I'm ready to, to kick some ass this weekend. So how about you? I'm excited as well. How'd you do last week? <sighs> Good week. It was phenomenal Thursday. I was sitting in the top five and pretty much everything I played. Uh, Friday didn't go as well, um, you know, the MDF kind of hurt, I needed a minus two cut line, so I got that, uh, but then Saturday when Tringale fell apart, he crushed my best lineups, and I still end up cashing, I think I, I get about 115% return, which is pretty solid, uh, I'll take that any day, especially after the last couple weeks, so uh, it was one, one or two putts away from a pretty solid weekend, but yeah, I can't complain, uh, a profit is a profit, and I'm ready to, to keep that rolling this week, I think the new new research and new trends that I've been trying to pick up on are starting to pay off, or it's too small a sample size to tell. So we'll find out this week, as we'll talk about here later in a little bit. But hopefully you did as well as I did, or maybe even better. I didn't do as well as you did. I did okay. You know, I, you know, it was a make-money weekend. It was not like over-the-top make-money. Um, 
I, I love the calls we made last week on Sunjay M from Patrick Reed oh, yeah. to Fleetwood to Jason Day to you know all the way to to, to saying hey Ches Reeby has, has a great shot. Um, wish I had finally didn't fave Keegan Bradley. I know <laughs> who who somehow pulled it out of his ass on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Paul Casey, we had him. I mean, we were on fire last week, so it, it's kind of a shame we just couldn't put that one line together that, to have all the right you know puzzle pieces. Needless to say, but man, even Nick Watney, we called Nick Watney, dude. I want, it was a good you know CT Pond and and, no. and yeah. Needless to say, needless to say. You know, Mackenzie Hughes didn't pan out the way we wanted him to. Yeah, that was a big hurt. Tringali didn't pan out the way we wanted him to, but they still were there when, when you know, come Saturday. But, um, you know, I, I, I was I was very happy with the results. I was impressed that, again, in my 6K streamers I got, uh, both of them made the cut. I just wish I would have flip-flopped them because I had the monster at Colin Morikawa who started off great but then faded out. And my guarantee was Vaughn Taylor, who ended up finishing fourth. So, worked out. If you guys are following my six Ks, I've been smashing them for for weeks now. If You've been just crushing. Get, if I can just the get the, the easy, crushing it, the, the easy nine and eight K guys, I'd be making a ton of money. Oh my god! It, it, <laughs> too bad it was you who made the Martin Pillar call. Or it would be I know. Fucking segment, but that, that that's that, you've been crushing. I, ha- I had to games. redeem myself after that one. I've been trying my hardest to make sure that I don't make that mistake again. I am totally crushing the Joel Dahman call. Oh, yeah. I know when he's going to make the cut and totally blow it. And it, it is wonderful to realize that Dahman's this. You know, a, qu- a question I wanted to ask you. More than ever, I feel we're seeing a lot of 6K guys having success. Do you think it is, you know, these players finally catching up? Or is it the new schedule what what do you think's going on here with I, I think it's a combination of both really i mean you got guys that are used to playing the pga tour the same way year after year after year they've kind of got it burned it in their head and then this year we see them juggle it up to the point where now they've got to remake their schedules they got to figure out what they want to play in again and the guys in the 6k range are really just happy to play and get out there and give their best every single week and you know some of the some of the upper tier guys may be looking ahead to, to majors or sponsor events that they have to play and then some of the 6K guys coming up are just really good. I mean, I don't think we've seen these many amateurs turning pro this year that have performed at this level. Um, so I think digging into kind of where they sit in the amateur world is, is a huge leg up, especially on some of these weaker field events, which this one could potentially fall into. Although, I don't know. This is, I think last week was probably the, the best one as far as amateurs go. We'll see how this week goes. But I think it's kind of a mixture of both. I think guys aren't. I think the guys coming up are extremely good, and I, I don't know what's going on with the guys at the top, but they are not, outside of the majors, they are not playing like we would expect. Yeah, I just wonder how much we're, we're branding players. Um, an example would be someone like Phil, right? It's Phil Mickelson. We know his legacy. We know him as a golfer, outstanding golfer throughout his career, but, but at what point in time, and I was here last week. I was like, he's old. It's time yeah. to move on. You know, it, He's not that same guy. But if you look at someone like Kiz, right? Kiz missed the cut last week. Kokrak missed the cut last week. Um, you know, Peter Uline, guys we've liked before. And, and not that they just missed the cut. They were bad. They were bad. Benny On was bad. Plus three. Especially on this uh, scoring course. Yeah. Spieth, plus two. Finau, plus two. Um, you know, these guys just didn't show up. So 
it is curious to note. It, it is something that we are observing, and I'm sure the rest of the DFS community is observing as well. Um, but man, it is hard to make lineups with all those 6K guys mixed in with, you know, it's not even stars and scrubs that are making these ultimate lineups, but needless to say, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, you know, we are going to move into our dumbass award, and this week's winner goes to Tom Doyle. Tom Doyle is the proud new owner of 16 brand new Strixon golf balls. So Tom Doyle, nice work, buddy. Remember to get involved in our golf giveaway. All you need to do is retweet the cut lines uh, response about our episode covering the Rocket Mortgage Classic. This week's winner is going to bring home a box of Pro V1s, golf tees, and and a vintage photograph signed by Zach and myself. And of course, let's not forget the infamous plunger. Again, to be involved in our giveaway, all you have to do is retweet at the cut line and the announcement of our podcast going live. You dumbasses. So, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And we will do the best we can. What the fuck? Look, man, look at that thing's teeth. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. What the fuck was that? I I don't I don't know. I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> now we'll be sure to bring timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is that your tournament lineup in the green, but so is your bankroll. Cutline is here to give you the plays to build your best lineups week in and week out. You know something? You suck. So if you have issues with your lineups, Zach and I are going to make sure that you get all the information that you need to simply build better. And as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analysis. Trying to figure out why you're struggling in week in and week out? More than likely, it's because you're not considering Fantasy National. You're ending up on the wrong end of the flag stick. So I ask you, how are your lineups doing? This week, the cut line is going to tackle another listener question. But before that, a little salary analysis for you guys who are looking to diversify your lineups or why you should diversify your lineups. But the question we're going to get asked this week is what strategies do we utilize in order to build more diverse lineups? So tackling the idea of diversity in golf, I think it's the one PGA sport where you can get extremely crazy with your salary. Um, Basketball, you want to get as close to 50000 and you, de- you you get diverse by staying under that cap hit. But to give you guys a perspective in 2019 up to this point, what I've done is I've collected data on the three best lineups each week and the salaries spent. So, so far in 2019, 7.9% of the lineups, the top lineups, five of them in fact, have 
have been $50,000 in salaries. By the way, this does not include the match play or the first invite of the DraftKings seasons in January. I forgot what tournament that is. Um, but secondly, from that $50,000 to $49,000 range, you have 26 lineups. That's 41.3%. That's the highest. So if you want to bang for your buck in terms of getting that max lineup and diversity, go to that 50000 to 49000 range. Now, surprisingly enough, you would think it would just kind of correlate and trickle down. The next highest value is the 48000 to 47000 range, where that was at 19%. Surpri even more surprising at 7.9%, $46,000 and below was equal to $50,000 in salary. Now the total average over the last five years, the best bang for your buck was that $50,000 to $49,000 range, but second was that $49,000 to $48,000 range at 20%. So you want to diversify your lineups? You can do that in golf. Because at 48000 to 47000 it's not that much different. It's at 16.1%. I hope this is making a ton of sense to you guys because I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers out there. But needless to say, over that five-year span, your top lineups, $46,000 or below, equated to 17.23% of 267 lineups. I find that insane up to this point in June. So something to consider when you guys are making your lineups is to not stick to that $50,000 threshold mark, and don't be afraid to deviate your price point. Um, so, uh, what do you think? How are you diversifying your salary? No, I think you make a good point, and I, don't, I think a lot of people, when they see four digits in their salary remaining, they think they're doing something wrong, and I think the data shows that, while yes, you're not on the 50% side of what most winning lineups are, that you still have a chance, and you're probably diversified without a lot of dupes especially in larger gpps if you're in that 48 to forty-nine thousand range so i mean yeah I, I wouldn't look at a lineup that has 1600 remaining and take out a guy because you need to plug in a guy that gets you close to five or four or three hundred dollars left um i've been guilty of it myself years ago i used to do that but now anything anything under 2k i just leave it if it, if it comes out that way then that's just the way it is and that's the best lineup i can make with what i had uh, I don't try to get silly and take somebody out just to plug in a better guy to use closer to the cap. So I think you're absolutely right. And I don't think it's done enough. Um, although I'd be interested to see if more people start doing that strategy, if the win rates do change. Well, one thing I always kind of think about is you're you're buying value. Yeah. You're not buying a number. I mean, let, like, let's hypothesize that Patrick Reed this week was like 73,000 or 7,300, mm -hmm. right? Not 73,000. That'd be terrible. That would be but at 7300 I'll take Patrick Reed. And if I'm 3000 under the cap with the other value plays I like, so be it. I'm okay with that in golf, especially with the, the, the variance in the yeah. sport itself. So, Especially this season, I think you, you'd be making out. I mean, all the guys that are winning and doing well, I mean, you'll get one guy in the 10Ks, and then you'll have at least two, three other guys that are in the 6 or 7Ks in the top 10. Yeah, that's true. I, I know one of my cores last week was... I had left about 2300 on the table. So it, it, it was rewarding because it was one of my cores that cashed. So. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I talked about last week in terms of strategy, diversifying your lineups, kind of eliminated that correlation between all your lineups, was that core cascading method. Yep. I can't take full credit for that, or any credit, actually. That's from Rick Gaiman on DFS On Demand. <clears throat> if you don't follow Rick on, on Twitter... 
you have to. Um, he's great. His videos are short, queaks, straight to the point. They come out early in the week. Um, but needless to say, his core cascading method is basically you develop your core, you know, in your spreadsheet, scroll that down six times and replace each guy one time. And your core is going to play out in that lineup. And if your core hits, what you're hoping is that not only does your core maybe have the nuts, but one of those other lineups where, you know, a player finishes in 30th, but you swap them out. Let's say you swap out Fleetwood for Finau, and then all of a sudden you have a guy who's finishing the top 10. Well, it, it shoots you up the ladder in the um, in your GPP standing. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to take your core of six guys, six golfers, and then your first golfer in that core, you're going to replace him. And, and then you're just going to go through each golfer at each entry point. And that's how you're going to do it. So it's 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 how I diversify my lineups. I'll do three cores in the 20 max, and I'll try to avoid overlapping any golfers. That way, I I, I lose correlation between my cores, and I have more chances to win. What about you? What what else do you do to kind of diversify your lineups? Yeah, I think what I started doing this season, and I didn't do it before, and so far what I've seen is I like it a lot. Is doing the research on Sunday before the next week's salaries come out, which that doesn't force me into choosing guys based on tier ranks so I can set myself up to have a couple guys in each tier and then building lines from there. Like I did it last week. It worked out well. Uh, I did it this week before the salaries came out. Um, there were some shockers when the salary came out to me, but I mean, I still had a good group of 25 to 30 guys that I'm interested in, and then I can cut from there as opposed to looking at the salary and being like, well, I'm going to need someone in the 9K range, so I've got to make something work. It just takes the bias away that I don't have to deal with uh, as far as numbers go. And that's one way. And I think another thing that Fantasy National really made useful, and I haven't tried it as a second step, is turning on the anti-bias mode where it'll just change the names of all the golfers. So if you do that with the salary, you don't get any sort of bias towards the player. Uh, just do your data on the research itself and then when the salaries come out, turn it off, turn the numbers back on, turn the real names back on, and then you can cut from there if you need to. Uh, just do that for a week or two and see how it works out and see if that changes the results. If you find yourself that you're one of those guys that can't play someone because he burned you in the past or last week, but he just looked good and he performs well this week, and if you had him picked, just play him, see what happens. Uh, it's another way to diversify what you end up with and really base your research off ability recent history, like all the things that matter and not the name or the salary. Yeah, also try, try to make it a point not to go all in on somebody. Um, <laughs> like that. that like Matt we've, talked about the, yeah. we've talked about this before. I, I, I don't believe that that's enough. I mean, there's no golfer who's, who's ever, unless it's like a super, super great spot, it who's was. ever going to be over 26%. Um, <laughs> the most I ever could see myself owning a golfer is 40, 45%. And that's yep. enough to put you over the top in a GPP. The more lineups you have, the better, the more exposure to players, better, especially players that you like. Um, if you lock and load someone like Matt Kuchar and he misses the cut, you're dead. Your weekend's over on Friday. Um, that It's high risk. And if you want to play that way, by all means, go ahead. But even then, it's hard to, to get the nuts in a GPP. It, it really is. is. It is. Oh, you it, know what? Speaking of nuts in the GPP, and going back to your salary thing, I just ran across something that I thought was interesting. Last week's optimal lineup, Ches Reeby, Keegan Bradley, Kevin Tway, 
Paul Casey, Vaughn Taylor, and Zach Sucher. This is on DraftKings. Total salary spent, 45900 That's true. And like I said in those numbers when we were looking at them, um, that $46,000 and below, and you said that was forty-five k. Forty-five nine. yep, just below. Represents 17.23% of the top three lineups in every tournament for the last five years. I, I think that's pretty significant. Yep, only one guy was above, two guys were above 8K. Chaz Reedy at 8,400 and Paul Casey at 95. Everyone else was seven or below. Now, I don't know if I can condone that, though. How I mean, long-term, no, but I mean... But the numbers say long term it's an effective strategy. Seventeen percent. I got a better chance of being below forty six thousand than being in that forty seven to forty six thousand range. I just don't it's know just, how you go about pulling that number out of your. I mean, how do you get there? I mean, how how are you rostering Zach Suture? I mean, like Vaughn Taylor, I got. Call Casey, I got. Revy, I got. Bradley, I got. Tway, maybe you can end up on him. But if you have those five guys, how are you picking? Zach Suture at 6,200 instead of going to literally anybody in the 7, 8, or 9K range that you could fit. Like, I just don't, have, I don't know how you pull the trigger on that. You gotta have stones. I mean, you gotta have a lot of <laughs> entries, I think. That, that's true. That's true. So, um, going back to that core cast baiting method, you can absolutely switch out two golfers, switch out three golfers, however you want to do it. If you're doing it in a, math, a multi-mass entry, the 150 max, however you want to do it is up to you. Um, but basically, that's how you diversify your lineups. Um, anything else you want to add about lineup strategy, diversification, correlating lineups, anything like that? No, I think I covered most of how I'm handling it. I'm still working <clears throat> through the new technique I want to do, so I'll keep mentioning it week after week and see if it's a long-term thing. I mean, it worked great last week. Uh, it worked okay the week before, so the sample size is getting a little bit bigger. All right. Well, this week, the PGA Tour tackles the Rocket mortgage classic you want correlating data you want a detailed analysis of the pga stats on the detroit golf club there are none detroit is losing it's a b card this week on the pga tour past winners on tour in the field include but are not limited to dustin johnson Chez Reeve, woodland matsuyama snedeker bubba watson rory sabatini and the list goes on but none of these golfers have ever participated in a PGA event at the Detroit Golf Club. So, Zach, what are our golfers looking at this weekend? Oh, man, Detroit Country Club, not a place I thought we'd see the PGA Tour stop anytime soon. But, you know, here we are. It's a par 72, playing at about 73, just over 7,300 yards. Uh, I saw a quote that was interesting from at Joey Knish on Twitter the other day, and he said, if you're, not, if you're going to the Rocket Morgan Classic this weekend... The fun fact about the Detroit Golf Club, if you go six blocks in the wrong direction on your way to the course, you're probably dead. So <laughs> I found that a little humorous. That, 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 you know, what, why not? Fun times. You fun. know Detroit has a huge problem with feral cats? <sighs> so does why. <laughs> oh, they're, they're everywhere. Like Literally, it, in the canal, there's like hundreds of them, and they all cry and meow, and it's just it's too much. Dude, adopt one. Become like the old cat lady. Oh, God, no. We had one down the street, but I'll, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Fair enough. We always got next week. All right. Well, well Either, either way, back on back on track to the Detroit Country Club. So there's a north course and a south course here. So they're combining the two a little bit. The north course is usually a par 72 course, but they're going to borrow one of the holes from the south course, which is a 390-yard par 4, 
to stretch the car to stretch the course out to be the full 7,300 yards. So they'll be playing on two courses, 17 holes on one, one hole on the other. There's going to be four par fives, four par threes, and the remaining par fours, which is pretty much their traditional golf course setup as we've seen through most of the PGA season. It's a Donald Ross course. Um, pretty much what Donald Ross courses are that he they're not that difficult as far as off the tee, the fairway, but he ten, he tends to set you up in a way where it'll get you on the greens. There's bunkers around the greens. The greens are severely undulated. Uh, putting is going to be a nightmare. Most of the greens are two-tiered, uh, so there'll be elevation changes, all sorts of difficult situations. Uh, you just don't, basically you don't want to find yourself above the hole on any of these Don Ross courses, which will end up punishing you and three putt and good luck and miss the cut. So I'm going to put a lot of uh, weight on you know proximity and around the green uh, and a little bit on approach. I think guys that you know know what they're doing, get their shots mapped out, is going to be critical, which is going to be interesting on a course that they've never played on before. Um, so that should be fun. Uh, weather this week is could be a factor, uh, so make sure you pay attention again as we get towards Wednesday. Uh, right now we're, we expect to see some rain on the weekend. Uh, Thursday looks like you know not too bad. Um, AM looks like a slight advantage from the winds, but Friday is a day that could go either way. Uh, right now, you're looking at five to nine mile an hour winds with gusts up to 16 uh, in the morning. In the afternoon, it jumps up a little bit, uh, nine to 14 mile an hour steady winds with gusts up to 17. Uh, the key here is really, you know, less winds Friday morning. There's going to be rain Friday morning just before the first groups tee off, so the course will be a little bit softer. Uh, if it stays as is. I would probably lean towards a Thursday p.m., Friday a.m. advantage. Uh, not a huge advantage, but an advantage nonetheless uh, if you're looking to make cuts off tee times alone. If there's guys you don't, you're don't, you not sure who to cut and you're on either end, I would lean towards Thursday p.m., Friday a.m. But it's only Monday night, Tuesday morning, so I would check back Wednesday just to make sure that weather hasn't pushed into Saturday where it doesn't make any difference at all. For me, stats-wise, uh, so there's no course history, so I took a look at a bunch of Don Ross designs on other courses that seem to correlate well here, uh, as far as yardages, distances, and all sorts of other historical factors. And it's picked a couple uh, to really look at when I'm doing my model, and that's East Lake, Wyndham, U.S. Pinehurst back in 2014, uh, Aaron from last year's BMW Championship. However, I'll caveat that with, if you're going to use that one, it was a terrible weather uh, event, so the results there could be skewed a little bit, so you may not want to use that. Uh, Sedgefield, Oak Hill, and Firestone, all are courses that are Don Ross designs that are pretty similar that could line up well here. So, all that being said, uh, the stats I'm looking at for this week, I'm really keeping it kind of basic. I'm looking at strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained ball striking, around the green, and short game, because I think there's going to be a huge emphasis on guys that can put the right placement onto the green to make quick putts and getting off DK points. I want guys that can score. Uh, and then I'm adding in the mixed condition model. I'm looking at proximity from 150 to 175 and proximity from 175 to 200. I want these guys as close to the pin as possible uh, to avoid any issues with putting on these, these already hard and unknown greens to score on. Uh, so from my model, when I look at it, I did it two ways. I did last 36 rounds just in general. And then I did last 36 rounds with those course history, those courses that I mentioned earlier, uh, just to see if there is a trend where they just play better on Don Ross courses. And there actually was a, quite a few guys we'll talk about, but that's how I'm looking at it this week. I'm taking a, a different approach just because it's an unknown course, uh, but that's what I got. What are you, what, what you looking at this week for stats? 
Well, for stat-wise, I start, started with just Donald Ross research and what, what he looked for in a golf course. And, you know, I've done this before with other, you know, architects, um, but, you know, what, what Ross always envisioned was not giving you the same kind of challenges on 18 holes, but each hole is unique in its own. He would use the topography of the land, the, the, the layout of the trees, whatever the case may be. And he wanted to give golfers multiple options to have success on the hole. So if you hit it short, you're going to have that long iron and you're hitting into a multi-tiered green that, by the way, is sloping from back to front. Good yep. luck with that. Yeah. Now, if you're going to hit a bomb, well, that's a great idea, but you better not hit it in this bunker because then you're almost guaranteed a double bogey. So that was what was creative about Donald Ross. He used a lot of switchbacks, and basically what a switchback was is um, when a golfer has to use two different shape shots on a hole to score. So maybe he has to tee off and hit a draw to avoid the bunker, but then to get on the green, he has to hit a fade. So that's something that Ross kind of utilized in his course making ability now he doesn't use it in detroit but he, what he does use is the the use of of um these horizontal drainage systems they almost look like small little old school um sewers that you see in front of homes mm -hmm. and then um also uses uh fairway bunkers and greenside bunkers and of course the greens i think are are being undervalued in detroit Everything is, is going to be sloping. Everything's going to be multi-tiered. Yep. You know, you're, you're hitting uphill towards the green, downhill towards the green, and it, it's going to be difficult to where some golfers are going to have a long day because they just can't putt on greens that are this difficult or the proximity is, too, to, is off and they're hitting on the wrong tier of the green, so then we're looking at three putts. But um, I think a lot of touts are going to emphasize this hitting in the fairway, and I agree with them. I, I think it's very important that you're in the fairway, but I think that approach, that ball striking, that tee to green game, and that three putt avoidance proximity are very important. Uh, important. One also key category for me is sand save percentage. Um, are you going to be able to get out of those bunkers? It's not going to be easy. This is not going to be like the Travelers. I don't think it's going to be like the Travelers. I know people are talking about the rough being three and a half inches long. I don't think the rough is going to be the issue here. I think the issue is going to be those greens, attacking those greens, attacking those pinholes, especially when they get to those impossible pin placements. That's what I'm excited about for this tournament. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, that, that is exactly it in a nutshell. I think the greens are going to be – there's going to be a lot of people venting a lot of putts this weekend. I, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to start into our birdie or bagger segment, but – Someone like Jason Duffner, who I think is going to get very popular this week, mm -hmm. could have a long fucking weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what I mean by long, he's going to be in the bar Friday night because he's not playing on Saturday. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to trust that guy to put on these greens, that you could be in for quite a ride in your in your lineups. But um, in my fantasy national model, <clears throat> like I always do, I look at. You know, last 100 rounds, last 24 rounds, last 8 rounds. And I'm really going to value that this firmness on the greens is going to be soft. And I think it's going to improve scoring a little bit. Um, a lot of rain up in Michigan. A lot of rain in the Midwest this month of June. It's going to be soft green. 
it's going to help bombers who can hit it long and maybe get uh, an edge on the par fives. So it, it's something to consider um, if you do have Fantasy National, you're going to utilize that. On my private model, kind of the same stats that I looked at that I mentioned, um, minus a few other keynotes, key ideas here. Um, looking at Vegas scoring, world golf rankings, stuff like that, and ownership. So, um, anything else you want to add, stats wise? No, that's it. I think I covered most of mine. I just took two different two different models and crammed them all together in uh, the mixed condition model and took a look there and went back and forth and tried to find the guys that performed well on both or if there was a guy who was obviously better on these types of courses I weighted that a little bit heavier as long as he was in decent recent form um, but we'll talk about it uh, well that will take us to our birdie or better segment where Zach and I break down each tier of this week's DraftKings player pool and we're going to look at our favorite plays as well as the golfers that we intend to fade or be lower owned on and we're going to start with that 12 to 10k range DJ hitting that maximum value of twelve thousand. We're gonna start with DJ. Pass. Is he leverage or is he is he is he is he a fade? What pass, pass, pass. I'm not paying. I'm not paying twelve k for DJ. I don't care what the field is. At the bottom of this field is garbage. If you get under seventy five hundred, good luck. Uh, he really he's not in the DJ that we want to see. Thirty fifth at the U.S. Open, twentieth at the RBC. Uh, he was losing strokes putting on both those events, which is not what you want to see coming in here. Uh, I am not paying 12000 for DJ. He has to, like, first or second, really, to make you still have a chance to have a win uh, if you roster him. So, nope, I'm just right then and there. I hope he's 20% owned. I hope he's over 20% owned. I'll have none. No thanks. He ranks out so well. Don't care. I mean, he does. Yeah, he, he ranks number one in my model, but... The guys I have to pair him with, who will also have to perform moderately well, it's just not... Sure, he gets second, and then three of my other guys miss the cut because they're garbage. It's still not going to be enough. I can't do it. You have to have him somewhere. You can't fade him 100%. I absolutely can. I will fade... I promise you this. I will have zero Dustin Johnson. Zero. None. Zero. 100% zero. Vegas favorite Dustin Johnson. When's When's the, when is the last time the Vegas favorite won? It doesn't matter. It it's absolutely matters, dude. If if you're gonna use that logic, that theory, that's not my the last time that's, the favorite. favorite that's just won. part the of favorite my doesn't logic. win all the time. You're right, and he need he need that's fine when you're betting, but he needs to win at twelve thousand. He can top five. N- nope. No way. If he gets fifth, you're not going to win. There's no chance. You'd have to have the optimal lineup to win. You'd have to have one, two, three, and then miss maybe four, and then get DJ. Well, how many? Because who are you going to fit? You're going to have guys that are like seven. You're left with 75, 7,600 average per golfer? Sure. No, no way. Look at the garbage that is in this field. Dude, you can I mean, we're going to get go. there. I mean, and we are going to get there. Yeah, and we're going to go. I'd like to count how many guys we mentioned that are below seventy five hundred, because I bet you there's like four. Dude, there are some money players <laughs> under seventy. I mean, seventy five hundred. I had a hard time doing the six Ks this week, and that goes to show something. Come on, Jaeger is there? Mayo's boy Jaeger is there at seventy one hundred. You know Mayo's going to take him. Fine. 
Your boy Peter Uline, he's there. Nope, he he could drive himself off the course. Tringale's down there too, but no thanks. Oh come on, you gotta play Tringale again. He's gonna make up for it. No, I got a guy. I got a, I got the winner. If you're gonna play DJ, when we get down to the six Ks, I got I got your winner that you pair with to have a Von Taylor kind of week. Bermuda Burns, Ryan Armour, God, all Mullinax, Ali, garbage, garbage, garbage. Camp Champ, man. Ugh. Oof. Jonas, go Jonas. We'll get there. No. All right. None of those. I have none of those people you mentioned. I have the winner. Don't worry. Stay tuned. Well, in the last hundred rounds, Dustin Johnson ranks first in these categories: ball striking, approach, tee to green, birdies are better gained in driving distance, and par fours ranging from 450 to 500 yards. Where he struggles, fairways gained, but not a big deal. You hit it close, you're hitting a 100-yard wedge. Sand saves, 106. So those are points of concern for Dustin Yeah, Johnson. so he can't hit the fairway and he can't save when he misses the fairway. <coughs> those are two key things here. Oh, and by the way, his around the green game is 46 in the last 36 rounds. No thanks. Nope. I'm not too worried. No, thank you. you. Who uh, else you got in this round? I got two other guys in the 10K. Actually, I got three. And I'm going to skip over Ricky because I just think he was also too expensive for this course. 11-2. I'm, I'm just not playing anyone over 11 this week. And I think I was interested in Ricky initially, but I'm just not going to talk about him because I'm not I'm not playing him. So, my we next two. We talk about him. We got to talk about him. Why? Well, I mean, he fits my mold as to why we should play him. Yeah, he's too expensive. Again, I think you just can't make a decent lineup. Yeah, but Ricky's entering that that category of, God, I've been so bad, quote-unquote, at golf lately that I'm going to be way under-owned and I can easily win this tournament. And you're, you're getting 800 cash relief from going from 12 to 11-2. That's not very much, though. That gets you to, what, 7,900 7, per golfer? Which I guess, yeah, it's more doable. But I don't know. I'm not going to have any. If he's, under t- if he's under 10%, you're going to go no Ricky. Nope. I'm going to just have Woodland. All right. So let's go to Woodland. So let's go to Woodland. I like. I just think he lines up better. For me, you know, he who's coming in this week with more confidence than Gary Woodland? Probably only Ches Reedy. I mean, he won the U.S. Open two weeks ago, <laughs> so he's coming off of, okay, I took a break, had my party, let's get back at it. You know, some of his stats might be skewed from the win at the U.S. Open where he just dominated. Uh, but for me... He ranks out number one in DK. I'm looking at the last 36 rounds uh, only. So he's actually number one in DK points, three in strokes gained to green, fifth in approach, second in ball striking, 27th around the green, which isn't terrible, but isn't as bad as DJ, but still solid. He does struggle a little bit in the scrambling department, which again, like DJ does worry me, but again, it's not bad. It, it's, it's, it's above the cut line since it's 70th. So he, if he gets in trouble, I am a little concerned. But all his other stats are top five, so he shouldn't have an issue. So I don't see any reason why I won't have any pieces of him. 10-9 is a little high, especially coming off a win. I think his ownership might be a bit too much. Um, but I think I like him, and I'll have a little bit of him. And that's pretty much where I'm at with Woodland. I need to see where his ownership goes. If it's high, I'm just gonna, I'll just come off him completely. Are you concerned about... A U.S. Open hangover at all? I would have been if it was the next week. I think I'm okay with it being a week off. You don't think he could still be drunk? 
No, I don't think so because he's, you know, he's not that, he's, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think, if it was the next week, I would be cautious. I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. <coughs> you know, he is a guy, though, that does traditionally struggle in the sand. Sure. Um, oh, absolutely. So if he does avoid those bunkers, he, he could have one hell of a week. In my model, over the last 100 rounds, second in ball striking, second in approach, second in tee to green, that's all behind Dustin Johnson. So, yeah, he's in play, and he's way cheaper. I think because of that, he's going to be very, very um, popular. Probably not as popular as Dustin Johnson. I think DJ is going to get that kind of nod as popularity. Um, but if it's not DJ, it's most definitely this next guy I'm going to mention, and that's Matsuyama. Yeah. Um, you know, he ranks fifth in that in my fantasy national model. Looks great across the board. Um, I know he's very, very, very popular amongst the industry you look at my private model he ranks sixth okay the guy is 28th in the world golf rankings he's only 10-2 you're getting matsuyama at a discount in my opinion when you look at this field he should be more i think 10-6 you know somewhere around that range even closer to woodland 10-8 um the problem is you've got no one under him that you could put closer to 10 so DraftKings had to do something but yeah, Matsuyama's going to be popular, but for good reason, man. Second in birdies are better gains. Ninth in proximity. Fifth in those par fours from that 450 to 500 range. Fourteenth in strokes gained putting over the last 100 rounds on soft greens. So these are all key stats for me. I'm going to have a hard time not putting Matsuyama in a core. And I don't think I mind eating this chalk, even though typically I'm against that. I just think he's a great play at a great price. Yep, I concur 100%. He, for me, in my mixed condition model, which takes <clears throat> the last 36 rounds uh, in general, the last 36 rounds on Don Ross courses, and the last 36 rounds of proximity from 150 to 200 on both last 36 and last 36 on Don Ross courses. And he ranks number one across the, for me, by far. Um, I have everything you said and more. Uh, I don't know how I fade him this week. I think he's just a great play. Yeah. Well, that'll take us down to the 9K range, and I, I'm going to start. Do and I'm going to tell you, I love everyone in this range except Kiz. Kiz is the only guy who, who I don't really consider as an option um, this week. This 9K range is great, but I'm going to start with Patrick Reed. And I know that we always kind of argue on these points, but Patrick Reed, you look at his recent form, it's not necessarily like popping by any means right his stats are down because of how bad he's been this year but if you look at the u.s open he finished 32nd he finished 30th last week at the travelers he lost some strokes off the tee i'm okay with that um gained it around the green and putting which we've kind of talked about being a very very important factor this week i think he'll put the driver away on certain holes it'll be effective help him score he's gonna be a low-owned guy that could absolutely win this tournament i like patrick reed here you know, initially when I started looking at Reed, I did like him. But once I combined everything into one model, he came out 89th for me, which was a big a big red flag. So I dug into a little bit more, and a lot of it comes from he really struggles on ranges from 175 to 200 yards, both in general and then on these types of courses. He ranks out 117th and 114th, respectively, which was a huge concern for me, especially if he puts the driver away. He's going to be coming in from that range quite a bit um 
granted he has been playing better, but it's just not, I just don't know that I can pay that much for Patrick Reed when he grades out so poorly for me um, when I combine it into one model. I mean, I get it. He's been a good DK scorer, like 13th over the last 36 on Don Ross courses. The short game's been good. But again, his good drives and ball striking, I think coming in from that distance and having trouble staying on the fairway in general, I just, I don't know. It's a red flag for me, and for 9,300, I just can't. Especially with all the other guys in the 9K range that I do like, I just don't think I'm, I'm willing to take a risk on on old Patrick Reed, who has also burned me many and many times. But if you look at this 9K range, um, you know, we, we're, we're going to be concerned with Chezzy going back-to-back, right? Sure, of course. Uh, Ryan Moore. Absolutely. He's, he's going to be super chalky in sure. this tournament. Sneds, uh, I think he's reached that age pinnacle where he may not be able to win, but he can compete top 10. Yep. I have Billy no Hor- Sneds. Billy Horschel... Um, Chalky. This is where I think that leverage to Patrick Reed. He's so sneaky. He's hiding at ninety three hundred. I think. I think uh, we're looking at less than six percent. No. Yes. Well, I guess probably because everyone's gonna have to. You're not gonna be able to get a lot of that. So that brings me to a point. Like, how chalky is these nine K range gonna be if if twenty percent of people are rostering DJ, fifteen to twenty are rostering Ricky, and then you have Matt Matsuyama who's gonna be fifteen to twenty percent. Like. You can't you can't fit them with the nine K guy. So how chalky is this range in general? You can. We've we talked about this at the beginning of the pod. That this this flair and affection for these six K guys and how they're performing. But this is not the and week. Finished in the top tens and in, 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 in I agree. But this place. this isn't it. This is not the week to do it. Like yes, in general for the season, but this field and this course, I just don't I don't see it happening this week. I think a, a mid range lineup is going to be the winner. Granted, granted, a 10K plus guy could win this event, but I don't think you're going to see the top of the leaderboard a bunch of 6K guys this week. I think you'll see one or two up there, but I don't think you'll see a bunch. I, I think Reed is in play, especially with the ownership. So, you know, if we're going to continue on with that ownership kind of trend in this 9K range, I think the next play is Snedeker. Oh, God, no, no. From an ownership standpoint, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, yes, he'll be the least owned, but... But of course you're going to say no. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I, don't, I mean, let me, hold on. I don't even know where he ranks for me. 62nd overall. I, I can't. can't do that. Why? Just because he's 62nd? Look at him long term. I I mean, for 9,900, that's... I mean, why take the risk when I could just go up 300, take Matsuyama, and differentiate in the 8, eight or 7Ks? There's so many guys in the seven k, the eight to seven k range that you shouldn't have to worry that much about ownership on the upper tier. I think you I, take the guys you know are going to perform well in the upper tier, and then there's a plethora of dudes you could take down low, above seventy five hundred. I think Sneds is way overpriced. I, I, I absolutely I, like terribly overpriced, Good but part. because of that. And we were talking about lineup diversification. I'm not saying you play him as a core, but you got to get him in somewhere, especially in, in, in mass multi-entry. Maybe in the hundred. Maybe if you're doing 150 lineups, sure. But I mean, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see a reason to play. He's been horrible off the tee the last few events. I just. I don't know. I can't do it. He struggles from proximity. 
No. I can't. I can't do it. Anyway. All right. So let's go to Billy Horschel. Let's do it. He's the, he's nine k. I yeah. mean, like he's underpriced everywhere on my model. Way underpriced. Second in my fantasy national rank. Ninth in ball striking. Nineteenth in approach. Tenth in tee to green. Third in greens and regulation gained. Twenty sixth in driving distance. Eleventh in scrambling. Third in the par four range of four fifty to five hundred yards. Thirteenth in putting. The guy's got the all around game to compete here. And I love Billy Horschel. I think he's just going to be a fantastic option this week. And I do think he's going to be incredibly chalky, but I'll eat that chalk. Uh, yeah, I. You, you can't go wrong. I mean, he's in a spot, really, where he's underpriced, he's playing well, and his history on Don Ross courses is just unreal. Okay, so last year... He let's see, East Lake. He was second at the Tour Championship. He's first in 2014 at Wyndham. He was 11th last year. The U.S. Open in Pinehurst, T23, and then at the BMW Championship last year, he was T3. Granted, that was the weather issue. So still, he's still T3'd. But I mean, he's historically crushed these courses. And then look at his form. He's missed one cut in the last 23 events. The dude is playing phenomenal golf. I am in danger here of saying that he's almost oh, in my. I know don't he's almost it. in a Matt don't Kuchar lock button type status. I'm not going to do it because it burned the shit out of me last time, the first time I tried it. But I just he's in a phenomenal spot. I just don't. Know. He's fourth overall in my model and he's nine k. Don't do it. I'm not going to. I he's he's in that range where I could see myself doing it. However, uh, let me. I don't know which one. I don't even know which one I have up at this point anymore. That came and finding me so good. Um, I worry about his around the green game on these courses. And, and looking at specifically the ones that correlated well, he ranked out 91st over his last 36 rounds on um, Don Ross courses. So there is my red flag that will not let me lock him. Kucher was a different story last time when I locked him. He had nothing below 20 so i locked him but i love billy horschel this week i'm right there with you i like i said i'm never gonna 100 percent lock but the guy the guy's just money and he's probably gonna continue to be money this week so yeah anyone else in this 9k range you want to kind of brush upon you want to talk about more uh I mean, I, I think both are great plays i think they're options i just think they're gonna be very popular chesy might be less just because he's coming out the win yeah, no, I, I have Chez highlighted. I, I don't know how much I'll play him just for that simple fact. Uh, I like more, and we touched on it. Uh, he, he struggles scrambling, which is my concern, but you know, potentially another guy to play in the 9K range. I, I don't think you can go wrong with anybody here except for Kisner, honestly, like you said. All right, well, let's move down to that 8K range. Why don't you kick it off for us? Uh, 8K for me, uh, the guy I like the most in this range is Rory Sabatini at 8,500. Uh, he's usually not a guy that I'm high on, and I've said that the last two or three times that I've highlighted him, and I think that's the only three times I've liked him this year. But overall, he grades out 18th in my mixed condition model, but where he jumps out is the key stats that I really want to highlight. Is over the last 36, he ranks out 7th in good drives, 1st in scrambling, 4th in DK points, 2nd in around the green and short game, and 5th in strokes gained T to green. His only issue is he struggles on approach from 150 to 200 over his last 50. But... When you isolate it to just Don Ross courses over the last 36, he's 24th. So 
he's coming in this week at pretty good form. 43rd at the U.S. Open, 27th at Memorial, 6th at Charles Schwab, 5th at Byron Nelson. Sure, he's trending downward, but he's also made the last 11 cuts. So a brand new course, guy that lines up well stat-wise. I like Rory this week, 8,500. I think he'll be a, a core part of my lineup. I'm just surprised people haven't jumped on this train. I, you look at his GPP ownership the last uh, five weeks. Yeah. 2.5% at the U.S. Open. 11% at the Memorial. 9% at the Schwab. 9% at the Nelson. 12% at the Fargo. These were his last you know options in tournaments. And the guy made cuts. He, he finished 6th at the Schwab, 5th at the Nelson, 18th at the Fargo, 10th at the RBC Heritage top 40 at the Valero and, and uh, at uh, Corrales, okay? Struggled in the U.S. Open, and that's fine. Sure. Because, you know, what are you going to expect from Rory Sabatini in, in a major? But um, the guy's been on fire this season. Whatever he did to change his game and reinvent himself has worked. And Rory Sabatini looks like the Rory Sabatini of old that, that won on the PGA Tour. So I completely agree with you. I think Sabatini's in play. Um you know, in in the last hundred rounds, Sabatini for me is is twenty eighth in my model, nineteenth in strokes t to green, um, and eighteenth in birdie or better game. So it's something that I'm looking forward to. Now, one thing I am concerned about is that proximity. Mm-hmm. You are dealing with these challenging greens, but you know if those irons are hot, I'm cool with it. So, um, who else in this AK range that you like? Uh, let's see who else. Uh, Joaquin Neiman at 8,900. So let's see. Joaquin's coming in this week pretty much on fire after his fifth last week and then four straight cuts prior to that. He's gaining strokes across the board in every category except putting it around the green at the Charles Schwab, which, okay, he did not great in one category in one event, but he's been doing great the last five weeks as a whole. So I'm not going to worry about it. I don't expect his putting stats to improve. He's already a terrible putter on Poe anyway. Um, so the whole field is going to struggle here. So I, I'm not really concerned about it as much. As long as he has the stats to overcome that, which he does. So over his last 36 rounds, he's 11th in strokes gained tee to green, 21st in ball striking, 25th in approach, and 30th in good drives. So his DK scoring is a little bit low for 8,900, which is 77th. But he's coming off some of his best performances in a long time, and I think that number is starting to trend upward. So I'm hoping that he can keep this momentum going this week, put on some decent scores, and at 8,900, I think he's going to be lower owned because he's way overpriced. But I think this is a this is a guy I will take a risk on paying a little bit more because I don't think he's going to be as highly owned. Yeah, I was on Joaquin a couple weeks ago. I, I think he I, I don't I think the secret's out on him. I mean, we're we're looking in the mid teens on ownership. Um, he's been playing so well, um, so it's not like he's someone that hides. And he usually, does, yeah, I mean, he doesn't burn anybody. He just makes cuts. But he only has four percent on last week. Last week, but the only time he was over owned was the, the RBC when he's almost twelve percent. Everything other than that, he's been under five. And I'll take an under. I'll take under five all day on. on I mean, that's not. I don't think the secret's out at five percent. I, I think it's going to be a little bit more than 5%. Well, coming off the fifth of the Travelers, yeah, I think. Fifth of the Travelers, yeah. you look at this field, it, it, it's it's a name that's recognizable, immediately recognizable. But he's so um, over, he's overpriced. He's not 8,900. He should not be almost 9K. Yeah, but 
look at the field. You don't really have other options. Who, who are you going to put at 8,900? And that's my, and this is my point why you can't build a Stars and Scrubs lineup. I mean, he's, he's an 8K player priced at 8,900 because he has to be because the bottom of the tier is terrible. Well, Neiman ranks 10th in my fantasy national model, 3rd in ball striking, 4th in approach, 7th in strokes gained tee to green, 7th in proximity, all stats that I love for this week. So, uh, Joaquin will totally be in some of my lineups. Not sure if he's a core play quite yet, but just under him, the Terminator, the machine, Sun J.M., yeah. <laughs> coming at 12th overall in my rank. The guy just plays golf. He loves it. Um, I'm going back to him. I don't see why not. I really don't. 21st at the Travelers, 7th in the RBC. You know, had a three-event three, three event hiccup with a 57th and a miscut and a miscut. And the 83rd at the Byron Nelson. So, so Byron Nelson saw a four-week kick up. But um, Sanjay, man, great approach game. Great and birdies are better game. He's going to score, 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 score. Um, am a little concerned about proximity with those long irons. If he does decide to play it short, um, we have seen him struggle in the past with those before. Um, so it, it is kind of a red flag, but not enough to sway me away from Sanjay. Yeah, you know, Sunday's <laughs> the dude is a machine. I worry about his approach game a little bit. Uh, as a whole, he's been pretty awful the last five or six weeks, or it's the only place where he's struggled in his game, losing strokes. But his putter has been on fire the last two weeks, where he's gained over five and a half strokes at the Travelers and the RBC, which you know could work to his advantage if he manages to somehow turn his approach game back around and his putter stays hot. Yeah, look out. I mean, for me, he, he ranks number ninth overall both in my custom stats model and mixed condition model. I, you can't go wrong here with Sanjay. I was off him. Uh, I think I was off him last week. I don't remember having much, if any, of him. But, you know, he's obviously still got it, despite his struggles the la- in May. But I think he's. I think we're going to see him turn around here. I think the U.S. Open, taking the U.S. Open off is probably a good thing for him. You know, normally I'm concerned about those elevated putting stats. But... He's kind of middle tier long term, like when you look at the long term stats yeah. of putting. So yeah, he's putting great. I'm kind of hoping that just kind of rolls over to this week, you know, before that putter stick gets a little cold. Um, so I, it's something I'll be willing to risk. Yeah, and even if it does, as long as his approach game gets a little bit better, then he still will be up there. I mean this this AK range has a lot of great plays, but what are you gonna do with Jason Kokrak? I got no issue playing him because I didn't play him at all last week. So I know he burned a ton of people. Um, so I have no recency bias here at all. He grades out fourth overall for me. And he's dialed in on proximity where he ranks eighth and sixth uh, from 150 to 200 yards uh, in those two care- in two tiers. The only, issue I ha- the only issue I really have statistically with him is his around the green game. Over his last 36, he ranks out 140th, uh, which could be a huge issue here especially with how this course plays around the green but his ball striking and approach game have been top five so if he can get on the green without having to worry about having those shorter wedge shots uh, i think he's fine 8300 i think i just don't know how he ended up priced so low he was so bad last week yeah but oh man he's been so good and what's funny is is he's not even going to be chalk He's not. He burned so many people last week that he's not going to be chucked. And that's why I think I'm suck. I think I'm recent. I'm the. I'm the other re- way. I think he's burned so many people. Like I feel like I have to play him. 
Like, he didn't burn me at all. And I know some people are going to be like, fuck, fuck him. I'm not playing him. But oh, how do you turn down 8,300 for a guy who's just been on fire this year? I'm going back to Cokes. I, I, I just have to. Um, I have my reasons. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> I, I, I think it's going to turn around weekend for him. So, so he's absolutely, absolutely could be a core play again. And if if he blows it, he blows it. That's fine. I I know Kokrak could win this tournament, so he's someone that I have high interest in. Um, a guy that I normally get wrong and want to get right is Aaron Wise. Yep. Ranks thirtieth overall in my private model. Okay. And in my mixed condition model on Fantasy National, he's twenty sixth. You know, fourth and birdies are better game, but I always get him wrong, and it's just so frustrating because he can't scramble. If if he struggles out of the gate, we're just in for a long weekend. Um, but that fourth and birdies are better gained, eleventh and greens and regulation gained. What do you do with Wise? I have him highlighted as a very interesting play, and he's one of the ones that, when I narrowed it down to Don Ross courses, it is extremely different than his last thirty-six rounds as a whole. Like, yeah, he struggles. He's 94th in scrambling for me over his last 36. When I look at the last, he only has 20 samples rounds for Don Ross. He's 33rd. And actually, almost all of his stats are, are better. DK scoring improves. Um, the only thing that struggles is his TD Green game goes from 24 to 31. But across the board, all his stats look better on these type of courses. So I'm taking that into consideration. Um, when I combined everything together on the mixed condition model, he ranks out 18th overall for me, which is which is great. Where he struggles again is uh, on proximity, so that's what I'm worried about a little bit, and that's the red flag there. But I have a problem with getting Aaron Aaron Wise right as well. But I think I'm definitely going to have to have a piece of him this week. Um, coming off two missed cuts from the 35th. I don't know what it does to his ownership. I'm not quite sure yet how that looks. He hasn't really been that high owned. Uh, he was trending upward and they cr- crashed and burned and people were off of him. He was only 1.7%. Well, he burned everyone at the Byron. If I recall. Yeah. Yeah, he was not he was almost 20% owned and then he went from there to 4%, then 9, then 11 where he missed the cut twice, and then everyone came off him for the US Open and then he was down less than 2% owned and he got 35th. So I don't know, is it going to trend back upwards? I, I don't know. I have to look, I guess, as we get closer. I don't know. I just I can never get him right, and I, I hope that I don't get him wrong again this week, but I think he lines up well here, I mean, especially against his field. Ultimately, though, I worry about his putting. But that's like, everybody. Like he, he's, but, but he's the type of player where we need a hot putter. But do and, you? Because 70 people are going to make the cut, and there are not... 30 good putters in this field it doesn't matter it's, it's such a fickle thing that you know 70 there's a lot of putters that could get hot this weekend and it kicks Aaron Wise out because he misses three fairways and ends up three putting um, struggles with scrambling whatever the case may be I mean it could be a long weekend for Wise I, I'm going to be underweight on Wise but I will have shares of him just because I don't want to be I don't want to do a complete fade and miss the opportunity no I'm um, with you a fade for me in this range, our, our young, recently turned pro, Victor Hovland. <laughs> um, I think he's beginning to realize that putting is pretty important, and we're beginning to see that he's not that good at it. 
um, I think it's really going to affect him here at this course. Yeah, I I don't know how much experience he has on these type of courses, but you know I love Hovland as a player, but I think this is not the week. I mean, I'm all about amateurs and doing well, guys turning pro, but I think you're right. I, I, I can't see him doing well this week. And yeah, his putting has just been atrocious. It's only a matter of time that it catches up to him. I think this is the week. I hope he's pretty popular because I'm, yeah. pr- I'm pretty certain I'm not going to have any of him. You can only overpower the course so many times until you run into a course that's set up to punish you on the greens like this one is. And there's not too many of those on the tour. And this, Yeah, he's just not. This is not a good spot for him. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope he's upper teens owned. I think he's going to be less than 50%, but still, he, he's someone I'm going to fade. Yep, I'm with so. you. Um, all right, anyone else you want to touch about in in this? Uh, nope, AK? I'm good. That's all I got in the 8Ks. I, I wasn't particularly fond of most of these guys outside. You know, I, I have some interest in Streelman, um, but not a lot. Yeah, I like Streelman too. He, he, he does pique my interest. We'll see where he where he's at ownership-wise on Wednesday. But uh, let's go to that 7K range. Why don't you kick it off for us? 7K. I love the 7K. Um, I don't even know where to start. I'll start with someone I don't really roster that much is uh, Kian Hoon Lee at 7,900. Uh, he's been just making cuts on tour and no one really knows anything about him. Uh, this year he's 11 for 12 since February. The only cut he missed was at the U.S. Open. So you can't really punish the guy for being a, missing a cut in a, in a way harder field than this. He also got 13th last week, so he's coming in in great form. Um, he ranks 12th over the last 36 rounds, and that's mainly because his TD Green game is 12th. He's 16th in ball striking, 48th in around the green, not so great. Uh, but he's above 65th in every category I'm weighing heavily. Uh, he's also 11th in proximity from 150 to 200 and 24th from 175 to 200, which I'm weighing pretty heavy this week as well. Uh, I'm going to need a lot of guys in the 7Ks to rotate through because I'm going to be heavy in the 9s and probably the 8s. Um, so he's another guy I'm going to have a fair share of. And i got to see his ownership shakes out, but I just feel like he is in a great spot this week. And I don't think that many people even know who he is. Uh, I agree with you. I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him. The The thing you worry about with him making a cut is moving day and Sunday. Because it's either going to be you know, top 20, top 30, um, even top 10 at the Honda in, in, in February. But um, there, there are times he makes the cut and he just sinks and flounders, yeah. you know. 72nd to Byron, 64th to Schwab. Um, and that can kill your lineup in so many other ways. Yeah, that's um, true. So uh, I don't worry about his game. I do worry about his putting. I, I think I might be emphasizing putting maybe a little bit too much for this Don Ross course, but I'm not worried about that because I think it's an edge that I'm going to have on the rest of DFS field. Um I, I, I hear everyone talking about this these tree line fairways and I'm not undervaluing you know fairway accuracy but I, I putting is so key here on these tier greens proximity and approach and putting is just important you you have to be able to do all those things I think those are more points of emphasis I'm gonna look at he struggles with that putter that's concerning to me um, I don't know how much I'm gonna end up if any on Lee depends i guess on what contests i enter but yeah. um you know he is in the lower tier putting that concerns me um so and we'll see how he does 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. Who else you got this in this awesome 7K range? This wonderful 7K range. We're going to go to my boy, Mr. Varner the Third. I like Varner the Third in my private model. He ranks 20th overall. Okay? On my fantasy national model, he's not necessarily popping per se, but um, he's popping in rank. He's 20th overall, but, you know, he's middle of the field in approach and then uh, top 40 in ball striking. That concerns me. Where he's gaining all these strokes is like driving distance, birdie or better, greens and regulation, proximity. Um, I think driving distance is going to help if this course is playing wet. He ranks top 20 in driving distance at 13th. Um, He's not a terrible player from the sand, but, again, we're dealing with the putter with Mr. Varner. Um, Recent form, it's just kind of... It's been um, pretty good, actually. He's 21st at the Travelers, 35th at the RBC Canadian. Missed the cut at the Memorial, but then 36th at the PGA. So um, I like those last four rounds, and I like that he's been low-owned. So someone I'm most definitely going to have some interest in. Yeah, Varner's interesting. I I worry about his approach game where he's historically over the last 20 rounds been losing strokes, but his around-the-green game, which is equally, if not more so important this week, has been pretty solid. So, yeah, I I definitely see the appeal. All right, who else? Oh, man, 7K. So many guys to talk about. Uh, so Vaughn Taylor, 7,600, my guarantee from last week, who finished fourth. Um, he's made eight of the last 10 cuts, and he's playing solid golf. Um, last week, he gained 6.2 strokes on his approach. So if he stays dialed in again, he's going to have a huge leg up on the field. Um, he's also, over the last 36 rounds, when you just look at Don Ross courses, he's third in approach. So, I mean, the guy's dialed in. Uh, on these types of and this types of conditions, um, so the issue with him is short game and around the green, which potentially could be weighted more. Uh, so a seven K range are going to be hard. It's hard press really to find a stud that fits everything who doesn't struggle in an area here where you just have to have the complete game. So you got to take some risk. I'm really going to check out ownership, which might be an issue since he's coming off the fourth last week. Um, and then I'm going to have to look at tee times. I think it's what it's come down to Von Taylor. If he can get an advantageous tee time, like a Thursday p.m., Friday a.m., uh, I'll probably have a little bit more of him than I usually would. Uh, but if he ends up on the wrong side, just the way he already struggles around the green, I think he needs all the help he can get. Um, so that's going to really be a factor for me. But I do like him at 7,600, and I'll probably have a little bit. Yeah, I, I like him too. I, I think he's a great play. I actually think he's going to be very overlooked this week, <laughs> and he's going to be less than 6% owned. And, 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 that, and, and that just goes to show you how bad this field is. I mean, what was he last week? 6,800? Yeah. And now he's 76? I mean, Vaughn Taylor is not a 7,600 golfer in almost any PGA event. Yeah, so continuing to look at this field, we talk about ownership. You know, guys who are going to be popular, name guys. Guys like Benny Ahn, um, mm-hmm. Charlie Hoffman, um, Sun Kang. So, you know, these are names that, that, that casual players kind of see every weekend and guys they know that can compete. So we're going to see them be a little bit popular. But then there are guys down here that I can't believe they're going to be so low-owned. Someone like Brendan Steele, 7,200. Two, like, I got him less than 4%. Um, someone like uh, uh, Cam Smith, less than 4%. These are golfers that can compete, finish top 25 here without a doubt. Everyone's going to be off Mackenzie Hughes after last weekend, mm-hmm. you know. But he's priced up pretty high at seventy six hundred, so I'm not yeah. sure if I'm going to take any bites and pizzas of that. But um, anyone else in this seven K range you have interest in? in- uh, I think 
I think the only guys that I'll mention, I don't want to dive into their stats, but guys I'm looking at are you know Chucky Three Sticks, Bud Colley, uh, Siwoo Kim, who's been in a slump but has been slowly turning it around. Uh, that if he, any given week he starts putting it together, he can T10. Uh, Michael Thompson at 7,300 I think is interesting. Uh, and then Nick Watney are probably the only other guys in the 7K range that I find appealing. Not bad. Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. (laughs) A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So, that'll take us to our MG Monsters and Guarantee, the Martin Pillar effect, where Zach and I will break down our monster, the player under 7K that we believe will finish in the top 25, and our guarantee, our 6K player that we hope and guarantee will make the cut. Dude, your segment starts off man i love this segment but i do not like it this week so tread carefully if you've been following me with the 6ks because as much as i love doing it i am just not feeling this week at all so if i have to pick i'm gonna start with my monster at sean stefani at 6500 so he came through last week with a 71 which okay it's not the greatest but following two straight miscuts but he seems to do well on when you isolate just don ross courses so i'm gonna lean on that heavy as a monster who can t25 or better over his last 22 rounds on correlated Don Ross courses, he's 17th. He ranks 17th overall, and he's 19th in DK points, 15th in approach, 19th in ball striking, and 20th in T to green. So all that being said, he doesn't impress very often. But he does occasionally turn it on, and it's usually on these types of courses. So I think he comes in, you know, sub 2%, sub 3%, and he's got, he can do it once in a while. He'll T25. So I'll take a couple shots on Stefani, but again... Not my most confident week. Who's your who? Who you got? What are you gonna start off with? Monster or guarantee? I'll start with my monster, and I'm gonna go with Sam Ryder. And in his recent form, is bad. You know, we, we can't deny it. 51st of the Travelers, 57th at the Memorial, 42nd of Valero, miscut the Valspar, miscut at the Players, and and so on and so on. But if you look at his 2018, the guy was on fire. Third at the Shriners, fourth at Safeway, seventh at the Barbasol, second in John Deere. Um, we're entering that time of period where He's going to turn it around, I think. And we're going to see those trends of success. So I am going to go Sam Ryder. On my model, Ryder ranks out um, actually pretty decent. He ranks ninth overall. Ninth, I couldn't believe this, on Don Ross courses in the last 100 rounds. So that's that alone being out here. Ninth overall in this field. Um, 24th in ball striking. 12th in approach. 24th in birdies are better gained. 27th in fairways gain, 20th in sand saves. Now, high risk, I, but that's that's what the monster's for. We, we want that low-owned leverage play. So who's your uh, guarantee? I like that. I like that play. That's, I didn't even think about some of that stuff, but he's a good one. Uh, my guarantee, Adam Long at 6,900. And, you know, he's coming off of 21st last week of the Travelers. He's made four of the last five cuts. So he's coming into an unknown course with confidence in a, in a field where everyone doesn't have any experience here. So, you know, I can only find 10 rounds on Don Ross courses that he's played 
in the last in the recent years. Uh, but despite that, his small sample size, he's seventh in good drives and eighth in strokes gained to green, 15th around the green. Uh, and he actually ranks 16th overall on a mixed condition model, which was a little shocking. Um, but his issue is he doesn't score. He's 63rd on DK points in that small sample size. So I expect him to make the cut here. I just don't think that he does anything else. So I'll, I'll stick him with my guarantee and, and hope that I keep my streak alive. I hope you do too, because you've been on fire. My guarantee is going to be Ryan Armour. Um, yeah. 54th the Travelers. He's just, I think, in this 6K range, a name I'm going to trust and hope he makes the cut. Um, I'm not expecting big things from him by any means, but um, he's a guy that if, if I need to get into that 6K range and dive in there, he's going to be someone I, I, I tackle simply because of his success on Don Ross courses. Is it is it as good as Ryder? Absolutely not. He ranks 41st in the model. Um, 44th in strokes gained tee to green, but he's 6th in proximity, and I think that's very important. And in scrambling, he's 15th and 23rd in sand save. So if people are ending up in the bunker this week, um, again, there's not a lot of data to help kind of sift through, see what what stats are kind of popping. If it does end up being a sand save week, I like Armour's ability to scramble and get out of the sand, possibly top uh, possibly top 30, but we'll see. So. Anyone else in the 6K range you want to mention? Um, we don't have to go over stats, but kind of gloss over. I, uh, you know, someone who, <laughs> who kind of piqued my interest was um, Sam Saunders. He was someone that I was going to think about maybe putting in some of these lineups, but this 6K range is so bad. You know, maybe so bad. Who knows? Uh, I had a couple other guys that I don't want to play, but I may rotate in here and there. Scott Stallings. Luke Donald, and God, there was like one or two more. Um, Kramer Hickok as a real big flyer. Um, but that's it, and I don't like, I really don't like anyone below 7,500. So I, I think this week specifically is going to be one where I really have a balanced approach. Oh. Well, best of luck to you there. You partner. as well. Oh, you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag you better keep your mouth shut oh i think i love him well that'll wrap up the cut line in our analysis of the rocket mortgage classic join us next week as we break down the 3m classic at the tbc twin cities again thank you to fantasy national and pga and i would also like to thank you zach for your contributions to another amazing show. You can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I'm Mike Cavalunas. You can find me on Twitter at Lunas. And of course, you can find the cut line at T Cutline. Let's go and get some winners. Yeah, yeah.